Final hour, Mutt and Lou, 93.7, W-E-E-I, Lou in Parts Unknown, Tom Karen. Nice enough to be in the house today, working double shift. He was actually triple shift. Red Sox last night come in and do this show. Grind away for four hours and then right back at it tonight at uh, 5.30. 90 minutes pregame coverage beginning with Friday Night Fenway. Our first Friday Night Fenway of the season coming your way at 5.30 before our network split to Bruins coverage on Nesson and Red Sox coverage on Nesson+. Plus. What uh, segment do I get Gary, Gary Streisky tonight? He will make his first appearance in segment three That's of when Friday I Night Fenway. Gary Streisky, Streisky. <laughs> Back on the sidelines as he should be. Uh, around what time is segment three? Although Adam Pellerin did a great job on the road trip. No knock. I love so Pellerin. So stop ripping the other people. Stop ripping sideline reporters. You rip me, now you're ripping Adam Pellerin. Why you got to be that way? Not ripping anyone, just telling you that Gary Streisky's my favorite. My, if you talk about sideline reporters in general, there's one guy they're all looking up to. It's the guy between the boards, Pierre McGuire. He's on NBC no Sports, question. NBC Sports Network, and he joins us on the AT&T hotline. Pierre, it's Mutt and Tom Karen. Happy playoffs, my friend. Oh, thanks a lot, Mike. Great to visit you. Hello, Tom. Hi, Pierre. Uh, it is Bruins and Red Wings game one tonight, and the the theme of this all week has been it's the team you didn't want to see and the team that will give the Bruins the biggest uh, challenge here in this best of seven. Do you have any disagreement with that, Pierre, that this of the three matchups they could have had, Philadelphia, Columbus, Detroit, toughest of those three? I think it is. The only reason I say that is because of the creativity of Mike Babcock, their coach. I think most people know on paper the rosters don't compare. Boston's roster is better on paper uh, than Detroit's just because of the veteran experience and the fact that most of the players in the Bruins roster have been part of the Stanley Cup run to the final and or won a Stanley Cup. A lot of these Detroit players really haven't been part of that. Uh, It's really been a huge turnover in their roster, some because of injury, some because of retirement, and some just because they've had no other choice. The one thing I will say about this Detroit roster, a lot of the young players that you'll see won an American League championship last year in Grand Rapids, whether it's Thomas Tatar, Gustav Nyquist, Riley Shahan, Thomas Yurko, Brian Lashoff. You go down the line, a lot of these guys were major players in that team's win in the uh, American League playoffs last year. Uh, Pierre, as we talk about the matchups here, I've been saying all morning, you know, I think the Bruins have better forwards, better defensemen, better goaltending. So they're the better team. That said, the Bruins at times this season have shown us a little bit of trouble against teams with great speed. And you've got Nyquist and you've got Helm. You've got guys up and down, Abdelkader. I mean, this Red Wings team has a lot of speed. Will that be a, a problem? Will that be a tough matchup here for the Bruins? That's going to be the number one thing to watch early on, Tom, and I totally agree with your point, is to watch what they do when they're attacking Zdeno Chara, watch what they do when they're attacking Johnny Boychuk, two of the bigger, more important defensemen uh, for the Bruins just because of shutdown capabilities, and let's see if they play chip-and-chase hockey or if they really try to stretch them out and create huge seams. And so you won't know that until the game starts, but this is going back to my point, Tom, that I was saying when we started off. Mike Babcock, to me, is the most creative coach in the NHL. It doesn't mean he's the best, even though he's getting one of my votes for Coach of the Year. But I think he's the most creative coach in the National Hockey League. And we'll see how he breaks down the Bruins' defense, because the Bruins' defense, as we know it, is extremely good. Oh, you keep saying creative. It seems like it might be tough to be creative on the road, Pierre, where uh, Claude, will get the, Claude Julian will get the last change, be able to match up. So when you talk about that creativity, how do you do that on the road in these first two games? Uh, because of the way they might attack. If they play chip chase and check hockey, which is what I think a lot of people expect them to do, that plays into the hands of the Bruins in terms of matchups. If they play more of a stretch game, 
uh, that can break down matchups because then it doesn't really matter. It's more free flow, and so it's not nearly a station-to-station type hockey. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how Detroit comes out. And I know that's one of the things I've told our tape operators uh, when we build our packs early on in the game, just to evaluate. I'm going to be watching for that clearly just to see how Detroit decides to attack Boston. And that'll speak to some of the creativity of Mike Babcock. Pierre Pavel, Datsuk at 100% would probably be the best player in this series. How close to 100%? How much of Pavel Datsuk will we see? Uh, he's not close to 100% based on all the games I've done, and I've done a lot of Detroit games since the Olympics. Um, the fact that the man's even playing shows a ton of courage. Tom, I'll just take a little bit at you with one thing you said. I think Patrice Bergeron, both rosters, I think Patrice Bergeron this season is the best player on both rosters this season. Yeah, interesting. And I, yeah, it's hard to argue that because he's always been such a good two-way player, and now he's got 30 goals to boot. Uh, I, you know, when you talk about the Bruins forwards, uh, how big of a concern is it that you're, you're probably going to be without Kelly? You're probably going to be without Pae at least to start the series. That's a big concern. I mean, you've got to definitely look at that because uh, Chris Kelly's such an effective player, not just five on five and insulating Carl Soderberg in particular uh, and Louis Erickson, but also because he's such an important part of the penalty kill. And so, yeah, Chris Kelly's a huge loss. And Danny Pye and Gregory Campbell are one of the best tandems when it comes to killing penalties in the entire league. So that's a big loss, too. So, I mean, again, you look at it, it doesn't make it any easier for Boston. But on paper, as you correctly said and what Mutt said, and I will totally agree with both of you, on paper, Boston's a better team. Now they have to go out and prove it. It's that simple. And it's been tough for these President's Trophy Cup winners. Last eight years, four have been bounced in the the first round. Uh, Two have gone on to win a Stanley Cup. He's Pierre McGuire. He joins us. We know about the speed of Nyquist. We've talked a lot about the speed uh, of Detroit. What about... What about pests here, Pierre? You know, if you're going up against the Bruins and you're just sitting down to watch the first game, you'd ask a Bruins fan, who's going to who's gonna annoy me? And you'd say, oh, Brad Marchand. You're going to hate Brad Marchand. He's going to get under your skin in his opposing <laughs> fan. Does Detroit have that player? Do they have one or two of those guys who by, let's say, game three back in Detroit, Bruins fans have circled and said, that's the guy I don't like on that Detroit team? They have two of them, Justin Abdelkader and Johan Franzen. Justin Abdelkader can skate, and he's a big body, and he can thump. He is a jumbo. He really is. Uh, Johan Franson nicknamed the mule for a reason. He plays big. He plays hard. He plays with kick, and he'll get under your skin, especially in the slot. So those are the two guys that I would say by a lot of Bruins fans by the end of this series uh, will not be very fond of. You know, Franzen's got such a good playoff history as well. Uh, for a team that maybe doesn't match the Bruins in toughness, you know, all the way across the bench, how important does he play a role in that toughness to respond to the Bruins? The one thing I'll tell you about Detroit, Tom, and I've been doing their games forever, uh, is that they're team tough and they're hockey strong, and that's how they play. Um, it's not about fighting with them as much as it is about being team tough. They're really disciplined. They don't retaliate it very often. They play whistle to whistle. They play chest to chest, shoulder to shoulder, nose to nose. They're just not going to punch you in the mouth very often. It's just not part of their DNA as an organization. But what they are is team tough. They take huge hits to make plays. They sacrifice their bodies to block shots. Uh, they support one another when there is a skirmish. It's, so it's not one of those where they're going to go out there like Philadelphia will from time to time or the Rangers will from time to time or even Pittsburgh will from time to time. They're not going to do that. They're just going to play team tough hockey. Brandon, all the way back from the concussion pier, is he all set? 
I think he is, Tom. I really do. I mean, again, Johan's not getting any younger. Uh, he'd be the first person to tell you that, and there are a lot of miles on the odometer. But he's still, I think he's way past where uh, you could say that he's only 80%. I think he's probably closer to 100. How much, how much do you account for Detroit having been here just a year ago? Many of the guys, 12 or 13 guys on this roster, Pierre, took Chicago to Game 7. Uh, you mentioned DNA. You mentioned the makeup of Mike Bass. Is part of that makeup and part of the reason it's a tough series because they have been there and they will not be, they won't be intimidated by the bright lights of the postseason. Oh, they won't. They're not intimidated at all. That's the one thing people need to know. And don't forget, they added Daniel Alfredson, who for a long period of time, when he was in Ottawa, was a thorn in the side of the Boston Bruins. So uh, Daniel won't be intimidated. Uh, I can tell you that Pavel Datsuk won't be intimidated, and I can tell you Nyquist and Tatar and Cheyenne and uh, Drew Miller, all those, they won't be intimidated. Nick Cronwell won't allow them to be intimidated. So, you know, it's, this is, to me, again, it comes down to Boston playing their four-line game, Boston playing smart with their cycle game, Boston doing what they have to do and not play out of character, and don't take bad penalties. I mean, if, if you do what you're supposed to do on paper, you should win. But the games aren't played on paper. And I, I will tell you this, and I'll keep saying it until this series is over, to me, Mike Babcock learned an amazing lesson in 2006, his first year as a coach of the Detroit Red Wings. They got beat. They were the number one seed. They got beat by an eight seed from Edmonton, Craig McTavish. McTavish, that playoff season, took his team to the final. They lost in game seven to Carolina. He was the most creative coach by a mile, deploying different neutral zone coverages, in-zone coverages, matchup situations. He was phenomenally creative. I think Babcock learned a huge coaching lesson that year, and he's never forgotten it. Pierre, we can't talk about a series. You can't preview a series without talking about the goaltending. And, and Tuka Rask has clearly established himself as one of the elite goaltenders in this league. Yet I still think there's a feeling from some Bruins fans, until he hoists the cup, it's still Tim Thomas who's the guy who everybody thinks about here. Uh, just your assessment of what you've seen in the development over the past three years of Tuka Rask. Tom, I wish I had a vote for the Vezina. I don't. The only award I can vote on is Coach of the Year, but if I did, Tuka Rash would be my Vezina Trophy winner. He would get my number one vote. He is, in my opinion, anyways, and I say this with all due respect to Semyon Varlamov, to Henrik Lundqvist, uh, and to all the other great goaltenders out there, because there have been a lot of them this year in a lot of different cities. I think Tuka Rass has been the best goalie. He's a big reason why the Finns won a bronze medal at the Olympics. He's a major reason why the Bruins won the President's Trophy. And I think he's grown unbelievably in terms of his composure, his ability to relate to his teammates, and also dealing with big situations. He's unflappable. He really is. So I have tremendous, tremendous respect for what he's done this year. Pierre, I'll admit I was surprised that Anaheim had to claw back uh, to beat Dallas 4-3. Uh, that's probably the biggest St. Louis last night, taking down Chicago in th a third overtime. Of the games we've seen so far, seven of the eight first rounds are underway. What has stood out to you most in these other non-Bruins Red Wings series? Targeting. The targeting is more apparent than ever before on star players. If you watch St. Louis and Chicago last night, uh, the way they went after David Backus on the Chicago side of things and the way they went after Alex Steen, and then on the other side of things, if you look at what they went after with Jonathan Taves and how they try to attack him and the way they try to go after Patrick Kane, targeting around the league i mean i did the ranger game last night with philadelphia they went right after ryan mcdonough they know he's a hurt guy they went right after him early on uh if you look at the pittsburgh columbus series it's an equal opportunity hitting huge 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 hits by the columbus players 
on uh, Paul Martin and on Christopher Letang. And, uh, you know, on the other side of things, they really went after Ryan Murray, a young defenseman. They broke his nose in the first uh, few minutes of the game. So I think the one thing that's standing out to me, much more than anything else, targeting of star players. Well, I guess uh, the, the follow-up would be if you notice the officiating. You, the targeting has been there. How has the officiating been different in these games, Pierre, if at all different than what you saw in the regular season? They're letting a lot of the hits go. What they're not letting go is obstruction. It's interesting. So I'll give you a case in point last night. There was a play where Dan Girardi clearly interfered. It was obstruction, but it was a big body play. Yet uh, later on, there was the same kind of situation, but it was more of a tackle. So they called that. So, and I've, I saw that in the – I worked game one, Pittsburgh-Columbus, same kind of thing. Uh, there were two penalties to defensemen, uh, and one was to Christopher Letang and the other one was to Jack Johnson, uh, both on different teams, but virtually the same call. So they're really looking out for obstruction, but they're letting big body hockey happen. They really are. Pierre, great stuff as always. Looking forward to some hockey. Finally getting underway, the Bruins and Red Wings, the last of the eight series to start. will be there tonight, 730 uh, at the Garden, Game 2, Sunday afternoon. We appreciate the time, Pierre. As always, tremendous insight. We'll talk to you next week. Much fantastic visiting with you, Tom. Hope I see you around the building. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, Pierre. We'll see you soon. That is Pierre McGuire, NBC Sports, NBC Sports Network, and he's brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment and 